0: Good morning, everybody. Have a couple of uh, housekeeping chores to take care of before we go forward. Um, Coming in February, we're going to post online a prayer circle. I'm going to ask all of you, or any of you who want to or feel led to, to join in the 29 Days of Prayer. Uh, Prayer changes things. You've heard that before, right? Let's find out if that's true Okay, Um, we'll pray Through a devotional that is written by Andrew Murray. How many of you do not know the name Andrew Murray? Anybody? Okay, some of you do not know him. It's okay. I mean the guy is back in the 1860s and you know, so It's not like he's living next door, right? Well, Andrew Murray um saw the second great awakening begin in the continent of africa it all began in his church Um, this is awakening is a revival that spread throughout all of uh, europe united states and africa all over the world in which people's lives were radically changed when they came into a relationship with jesus christ Uh, Some towns, I mean, if you read the reports, and you can Google this, you can read the reports that some towns laid off their police department because there was no more crime. In Wales, um, the revival was so complete that the donkeys that used to draw the carts out of the mines became confused because they were so used to being cussed at that when the miners stopped cussing at them, they didn't know what to do. Well, not only that, but lives, I said, were changed and transformed. And that's something I think that we would all love to see again today. Um, I know that in the 60s, how many of us were part of the Jesus movement when we saw lives transformed? Yes, a few of us, okay? Some of us, old as dirt, you know? Um, It would be great to see something happen like that again if the Lord should choose and want to do so. Nevertheless, it's not going to be accomplished without prayer. Now, uh, Andrew Murray, what happened in his church was that the youth group was praying, and then all of a sudden, the spirit took over, and the kids there, the teenagers, were praising God and declaring all of his good works, and... The youth pastor ran over to the main building and grabbed Andrew Murray, who was pastoring the church, and said, come over, please check this out. I've never seen anything like it before. And he comes over there, and he sees all of these teenagers just praising God and declaring all of the wonderful works that he has done. The problem was is that they were all doing it at the same time. Okay, and, and Andrew Murray, a good, I think he was Presbyterian guy. You know, you do everything decently and in order, one at a time, one at a time. So he told the youth pastor get a handle on this or there would be consequences. Next week, same thing happened again. Andrew Murray went over and saw it. And this time he had a, a gentleman with him from America. And as Andrew Murray began to rebuke the youth pastor again, um, the men from America said, no, 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 don't, don't. This is exactly the way it happened in the United States. So when he writes about prayer, I tend to get a lot out of it. It's not the Word of God, so you know you don't skip your scripture reading for this, but it is a devotional, and it will give you insights and inspiration on prayer. So we're asking people to sign up. What I would really love to have is the church covered in prayer 24 hours a day. Right? I know, with all 12 of you, right? Um, long shifts. I'm sorry, that was a joke, alright? But um, you sign up through the kiosk in the back in the back, you have a church app on your phone. you can sign up through it that way or go home and do it online and you will receive a devotional every day of the week of February, every day in the month of February um, that will guide you in prayer. And you just commit to praying for what 10, 15 minutes for the church. Okay? Long, long commercial. All right, we have an upcoming foster festival at Encanto Park. How many of you guys have taken part of that before? Uh, The foster system in Arizona has tens of thousands of kids. Um, The uh, outlook for them is not so good. If you look at the statistics, they uh, either, when they graduate or age out of the system, they either hit the streets, they um, become incarcerated, or they commit suicide. That's what the bulk of them do. And of course, we don't want that to happen. That's why we have a ministry, Casa de avis, where we work with um, Avis Lopez and her 12 children and we're, we're determined that that's not going to be their fate uh, but there are thousands of others and Craig and Teresa Lyon they open up their business which is in Canto Park it's the uh, it's What's it called? Enchanted Island. How many of you been there? How many of you ever been, don't even know where Encanto Park is? Yeah, okay. Well, it's like at the oldest merry-go-round in all of Arizona. Hello. Okay. It's a famous place. Yeah, why am I dissing you guys here, right? Um, anyway, they open up their whole park, and it's for free. And we go alongside it. We volunteer to run the bounce houses or the concessions or pick up trash or do what do whatever is needed for these kids. They have around 10,000 kids, um, go through this in one day. And that's coming up, I believe it's in January or February. It's February, right? None of you know, thank you. Where's Carly when you need her, right? January 29th, I believe. January 29th, all right. Okay, finally, um, those of you, anybody here that's going on the Israel trip. You? Anybody else? All right, well, we already prayed over you once. We need to do it again. Okay, we're good to go. All right, would you stand, please? Uh, Thorson, why don't you come up and lead us in the reading of God's Word? We're going to be Psalm 119, verses 113 through 119.
1: Okay? Hello, hello. Good morning. Hi, guys. So, let's read God's Word. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your Word. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your Word, that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up, and I shall be safe and I shall observe your statutes continually. You you reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood, but put away the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you uh, for all the people who came here today. I pray that um, you would help us to um, come before you humble, and that we would be able to accept what you have to um, say to us. Father, I pray that you would give Pastor Dennis the words to speak, and that um, us, the ears to listen, and that we would your word would not go out void, as it says in your word, but that uh, it would take seed in our hearts, and that we would go out and love you and love others more better. I pray that your will would be done, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: You may be seated. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to tell a couple of stories here to, to as an introduction to our um, teaching today on praying through the tabernacle. And these are stories that I've told before, but I'm over sixty now, so I have the license, right, to teach or to tell the stories more than once. When I was a uh, younger, a younger man, back when the earth was cooling. Um, worked at a place called Life Renewal, sort of like Teen Challenge. How many of you guys remember Teen Challenge? That's when you would take drug addicts from the street, you know, David Wilkerson's ministry. And we were, we were similar to that. And we had a small, tiny church there in uh, South Phoenix. And I taught Sunday school, and there was this little six-year-old girl whose name was Leandra. And at the beginning of every class, we would take prayer requests. You know, okay, what do you guys want to pray for? She raised her hand excitedly. She says, I want to pray for my kitties. My kitty has ticks, and it's very sick, and I want to pray that God would heal him. Okay, gotcha. And I want to pray for a new house, a yellow house, with bedrooms for each one of my brothers and sisters and me, and a big backyard with a sandbox and a swing set. Okay, um, I understood that request. Uh, she was living with her mother, father, four sisters, and brother in a one-room apartment. So it, obviously, she wanted a little bit more room, a little bit more space, right? Uh, now, as far as the cat goes, uh, you know, just take the thing, put it in sheep dip, pull it out, and it's good to go, right? So I could see God answering that request easy. Uh, But the other one, you know, uh, the temptation for us adults as we get older, become a little bit more cynical, a little more seasoned, you think, like, well, temper your expectations a little bit, Leandra, temper them. So we prayed for these things, and I didn't really say anything to her, but three weeks later, she came running back. She says, Brother Dennis... The kitty's healed, all the ticks are gone, and it's healthy. And I go, oh, praise the Lord, Leandra, that's awesome. And we got a house, and it's yellow, and it has five bedrooms, and there's a big backyard with a sandbox and a swing set. Leandra, can you pray for my back? (laughs) Chuck Swindell tells a story about a middle-aged woman who was. afraid that she was uh, never going to find that someone, that someone special. And she, she took a pair of jeans, uh, 32 inch waist, 36 length in the inseam, and put them on her, bread, her bed. And she said, here's my prayer, Lord. Please answer it if you can. I lay these pants on my bed. Please fill them with a man. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And within a year, it was answered. There was somebody that she met and married that actually would fit into those pants. Well, there was a a mom that was not in that service, and she called Chuck, concerned about her son, who had been in that service. And says, Chuck, should I, I worry? My son's hanging a bikini at the foot of his bed every night. Don't know what's going on. Prayer is God's chosen tool to get his will done on earth, and that is the purpose of prayer. Do you understand that? Get that into your hearts and minds. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is the purpose of all prayer. Prayer is God's chosen tool. It means... It's a means whereby we communicate with him and enter into intimate fellowship with him as well as accomplish his desires in our life and the life of others and on this planet. Alfred Lord Tennyson said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. The enemy would rather have us do just about anything than pray. Have you noticed that in your prayer times? Yeah? Uh, You start to pray and you think of everything it is that you're not doing, that you should be doing, right? Phone rings, doors, knocking on, you know, something is going wrong that distracts you from prayer. He would rather we preach than pray. He would rather we read a good Christian book than pray. He would rather we talk to someone about spiritual things than pray because he knows prayer is where the power is. So he distracts us with seemingly good things to keep us away from the best thing. So this teaching that I'm going to start is praying through the tabernacle to give you a method of prayer. Um, Not that you need to have a method to pray, because you don't. You can be as simple as Leandro. Prayers are heard, and they are powerful, and they do the work of God. But, of course, as you grow older, you become a little bit more uh, mature. You understand that prayer is deeper than that, more meaningful than that. And it's good that you grow in your knowledge and under your, your understanding. Now, I, I don't want you to ever think that this is the only way that you can pray. I don't want you to ever think that if you don't pray through the tabernacle when you pray, that you haven't prayed. It's not so. This is just a method. If it works for you, awesome. If it doesn't work for you, well, pray another way. Okay? You got that? So we're not uh, sewing up the veil as it were again. For those of you who understand that, you know, the the temple, um, the veil separated the Holy of Holies with the Holy Place. The Shekinah glory was in the Holy of Holies, right? And that's where the priest could come in and pray for the people one time a year. And when Jesus was crucified, that veil was ripped, right, from top to bottom, indicating that God has done the ripping, and he's made the way open into that intimate fellowship, into that Shekinah glory through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you can enter in freely and boldly. But sometimes we Christians, we start to sew the veil back up by making rules and methods of doing things without just being authentic and genuine and just being real, OK? You don't have to know the King James English to pray. You can just simply use whatever you got, all right? So here's an overview, because we're, I thought I'd get to the whole thing in one teaching, but it ain't going to happen. Uh, the gate, that's where we're going to start today, entering in through the gate. And this is where we thank God for what he does. We praise God for who he is, and we bless his name. The brass altar, we come to next. This is the altar, of course, where they would sacrifice the animals for the, for, for the atonement of sins. And also where they would put free-willing sacrifices on it just to say, I love you, Lord. Um, The brass altar, we will learn to confess specific sins, confess that we are forgiven of the sins, and also we'll um, learn to lay ourselves as a living sacrifice on this altar. Then there's the brass laver. That's right after the altar. This is where the priests would clean themselves up before going into the holy place to minister. And there uh, we will be washed by the water of the word. All right? So we'll take a verse or two of scripture and meditate on it and learn to pray through that. When you enter into the Holy of Holies, the first thing you'll see on the right-hand side is a table of showbread, a table with different loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is where we talk to the Lord about our personal needs. Then to the left of that is the golden candlestick. And it lights up everything inside the holy place and of course Jesus said that he is the light of the world and we in extension are also the light of the world. So this is where we pray for ministers and missionaries and for all institutions that shine God's light. And then right in front of the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies is the altar of incense and this speaks in the book of Revelation tells us of Intercession where you pray for your friends and for your family and for your enemies and for your frenemies You pray for other people now interesting thing if, if you you know that Jesus is in heaven doing what for us? <coughs> Making intercession he's praying So this tells me that prayer is going to be something that we do also in heaven It doesn't end when while we're here, when we die and go to heaven that it'll still be part of our experience And then there's the Holy of Holies. That's where we worship the Lord with the heart in tune with his presence and enjoy the Shekinah glory of God and wait upon the Lord. Okay, so that's the overview. Let's start with entering into prayer with thanksgiving, praise, and blessing. In doing this, we go to Psalm 100, verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. The whole tabernacle complex was surrounded by a linen fence. And on the eastern end of the linen fence, there was linen that was embroidered with scarlet, purple, uh, blue, and white. Well, actually, the white was the linen itself. And all of those, as you know, the scarlet represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blue, heavenly-mindedness, purple, his Royalty and kingship and white his righteousness, so it's all representative of Jesus Christ and you don't enter into the presence of God or even to into Heaven without going through him first remember he said I am the way no one goes to the Father, but through me so as we start entering into you know eventually getting into the Holy of Holies We start by walking through the veil that is Christ And it says in Psalm 104, we do this, entering into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Okay, how many of you already know that verse? You've known that verse for a long time, right? We're going to thank him for what he has done for us. We're going to praise him for who he is. And we're going to bless him by recognizing the power in his name. This is all prior to getting into the thing that we typically jump to first, which is to tell him what we need and what we hope he will do for us. All right. Turn with me. We're gonna take a little journey through the New Testament to see how important this is. First Thessalonians chapter five, okay? First Thessalonians chapter Starting at verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give, say it guys, thanks, good, just want to make sure they're not sleeping, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God's will for you is, you want to know who it is he wants you to marry, what career choice you need to make, what college to go to, what car to buy, where to go live give Thanks. That's His will for you. Give thanks. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you're praying for your car, give thanks that you got two feet. They'll take you to the bus stop. All right? Uh, When you're single, give thanks that you're single because it's your opportunity to serve God with undistracted devotion. And when it comes time, He will provide for you. You see, in everything, give thanks. And then Ephesians 5 18, I want you to turn there. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Um, Anybody here struggle with muttering to yourself? Yeah, all the time, right? I know that when I get into my elderly, elderly ages, when I'm going to be that guy in bashes that's walking down the soup aisle muttering to himself, hopefully I am muttering psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and seeking and singing and making melody in my heart to the Lord. Giving what? Thanks, that's right, say it. Giving thanks always for all things. In Thessalonians, we're told to give thanks in all things, and how we're told to give thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me share something with you because usually it's easy to give thanks to God when things are going well, not so much when things are going bad. It's okay to give thanks to God when you're in a trying situation, but in a crisis or a tragedy, sometimes you don't see anything to be thankful for in the situation. I told the story in the first service about a librarian that I worked with in the public schools whose husband dropped their five-year-old off at school, you know, in the parking lot, at the curb. But before she got out of the door and had it closed, uh, he took off, and her backpack strap got caught in the door, and it drug her into the car, and she was killed. That's horrid. That's, that's horrible. How, how could you ever think that you could thank God for anything in this situation? Now, a lot of us would be tempted to go grab our back pocket theology, start quoting verses, and telling her that you need to give thanks in all things. Give thanks for all things. And that, uh, you know, all things will work together for the good, to those who love God. And, you know, a lot of other platitudes, which, frankly, at the moment, doesn't help. Doesn't help at all. It would be better if you just sat there with them and just shut up and listen, put your arm around it and gave compassion. Yeah, it's true. All things will work together for good. I guarantee you that that five-year-old in heaven is not regretting a second that, that she's there. But I know also the burden and the guilt and the shame that dad is hanging on to and will hang on to and needs to learn that you know, it's a tragic mistake and he's forgiven for it. Though I think that'll probably be a struggle for his whole life. You see, giving thanks helps us put things in perspective. Just having the breath of life is something to be thankful for. I know your kids have probably told you a time or two, like they didn't ask to be born, right? And that um, they wish they hadn't been born. And of course, you responded that. We could probably arrange that if that's what you want. But what we're talking about here is developing an attitude, and I'll show you why that's so important. Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you probably have this memorized. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6, okay? Be anxious for nothing. in <coughs> everything by prayer and supplication with say it, guys. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right. You're among friends. <laughs> Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What we typically do is make our requests known to God, but we don't start with thanksgiving. We just, and I got this thing, it's bothering me, and I'm worried about it, and I'm concerned, and it's consuming me, it's all I think about, so I just pray about that, and I never seem to get any peace. I seem to leave it there for a moment, but then five seconds later, I'm thinking about it again, over and over and over again. You know, there's that that, uh, verse in Isaiah that says, he will keep you in perfect peace. He'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He's thinking about his principles, his precepts, the truth of his word. You keep meditating on those things and your hearts will be kept at peace. And for that, you can say thank you for it. You can say thanks for that. And then make your request known that you have a God who will take care of you and will provide. And then he'll keep you in perfect peace. Perfect peace there in Hebrew, you guys know this, don't you? It's peace, peace, right? Peace, peace. Remember in grade school, when you liked somebody and you sent them a love note, do you like me? Do you like like me? <laughs> right? To like someone is one thing, but to like like somebody, ooh, you know, we're getting married and having kids. <laughs> Here it is that God is going to keep you in perfect peace, peace that passes understanding. Okay, so we're starting our prayers with thanksgiving. Psalm 104 again, enter into his gates with thanks, giving and give thanks, and bless his name. The Hebrew command there in Psalm 104, give thanks, is a verb that means to confess, praise, acknowledge, extol, and thank. Why do I bring up that laundry list of adjectives to describe what it means to give thanks? It's more than just a mere, yo, God, thanks. Thanks, and then walking away from it. It's depicting someone who is thinking about and naming the specific reasons for their gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for what? Well, you know, just thank you. Yeah, but for what? I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe you should think about it. It's telling a story with God as the hero. Imagine Leandra for a second. Lord, we were living in a one-room apartment, and our kitty was very sick. And I prayed to you and you heard my prayer. Thank you for hearing my prayer and healing my kitty. Thank you for the yellow house. Thank you for my own room. Thank you for the sandbox. Thank you for the swing set. God, you are good. She's being specific. Now what does it do to your attitude when you start talking about that? You have to remember and think about the things that you are thankful for. So now when you get to the place where you're gonna be asking him for something new, or a new issue you're with, you're reminding yourself he was good in the past. He will be good in the future. God is good all the time. time. That's right. Can you remember that? We start our prayer time by entering his gates with thanksgiving. We express our appreciation. Now, a few weeks ago we had um, a prophecy update, you know, we believe that we are in the last days. We believe that Jesus Christ is returning again. But if you're really looking for a sign of the last days and if we're in them, then look for people who are ungrateful. Because Second Timothy chapter 3 tells us that ungrateful or ingratitude is in the list of attitudes that will mark these days of the end time. We are to cultivate a grateful heart. And that's no small issue with God, guys. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans one twenty-one. He's talking about the natural man. He's talking about people who have rejected God and rejected Christ. He says... They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. And then verse 24 says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired." Turn them loose. You don't want to be thankful. You don't want to look at creation and, and, and recognize that there is a God. You don't want to seek him out then go ahead. Do whatever shameful thing your heart desires. Then in Luke chapter 17, there's another incident. Um, And some of you remember this story. When Jesus healed ten men of leprosy. Ten men of leprosy. Healed them. It says in Luke 17, 15, that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And then it notes that this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Notice he notices the ingratitude. He notices that they took the blessing that they didn't give thanks. Quoting Chuck Swindoll here, while we have experienced financial ups and downs in the last century, some of them significant, we nevertheless benefit from an unprecedented level of abundance. Never in human history have so many people lived in the kind of comfort and security we enjoy today. And American culture leads the world in luxury. Many families have a driveway full of cars and a house full of modern appliances, and many dedicated to entertainment, a closet full of clothes and a refrigerator full of food. Unfortunately, in these days of abundance and wealth, we tend to become ungrateful, even presumptuous. Instead of thanking God, we develop a spirit of entitlement. When I was teaching a uh, Bible at a Christian high school, there was a young girl who came in uh, totally depressed and, and down and she was almost in tears. And I found out what was wrong, well, it was her birthday. And uh, her parents gave her uh, a gift. They gave her the, the family Volvo station wagon. That was her, her gift. And she was depressed because what she wanted was a BMW. And that's what she would expected to get. That spirit of entitlement. That spirit of ungratefulness. And you know what, what would happen if you took that girl, and I was tempted to do this and take her out and say, are you out of your mind? Do you know how blessed you are? And you know what that would have done? It would have been, it would have been like teaching a pig to sing. Okay? It would have irritated the pig and wasted my time. Okay, that was supposed to be. <clears throat> we tend to have a God, what have you done for us lately mentality. Now, don't misunderstand me because abundance is not sinful. I pray that all of you experience the abundance. I know, hey, may God bless you and win every lottery from now until 20 years from now. The problem isn't your abundance. The problem is the selfishness and gratitude that sets in to always wanting more and not appreciating that's the sin. So the hint here, guys, is to start our prayers with thanksgiving because it helps put things into perspective. Now, the next thing we start our prayer time with is praise. Praise. Notice what it is. <coughs> we enter his courts with thanksgiving. Or we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. Now, literally, <coughs> that word in the Hebrew means songs of praise. In other words, it's, it's singing someone's praise. You've heard that expression before, right? Uh, do you sing to the Lord before you ask of the Lord? <clears throat> the Hebrew word there is, is tehillah, not tequila, okay? It's tehillah. That brings a different kind of praise, all right? It denotes a quality or attribute of a person, something that is characteristic or inherent part of someone's character. You know, you guys remember that, that theme, in or that song in the 60s? I don't know who said it, but, oh, Ricky, you're so fine. You really blow my mind. Ricky, you know, singing Ricky's praises. I don't know who Ricky was. I was always jealous of him, Someone, and I wasn't blowing anybody's mind. We say to our children, oh, Emma, you're so smart. Or Noah, you're so strong. Or Olivia, you're such a caring young lady. Or Buford, you're wearing socks. How awesome is that? We sang it this morning, you are the Lord, the famous one, the desire of nations, you are alone, our God. And hopefully you were thinking about what you were singing and not just singing a familiar tune, shutting it out. Hopefully it was coming from a spirit of truth in your own heart. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11, please. Romans 11, and I want to share with you a few doxologies and scriptures of praise, and and just see what it does to you to read these things. Please read and listen with with ears that open into your heart and not just going through the motions here. Romans 11, and, and Paul was great at this. I mean, it just seems like all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, he would just start praising God. He said in Romans 11, 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever how precious is that? Now, let's ping pong and go over to Psalm 29, okay? Keep your finger there in Romans because you're going to be popping back to the book of Ephesians next. But let's go to Psalm 29. And look at verses 1, 2, 10, and 11. Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now I bet some of you recognize some of these scriptures that we used to sing at Calvary all the time. We turned them into songs, singing God's praise. Look at verse 10. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Okay, now. Pop over to Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's starting to affect the way you're looking at the person you're praying to. Okay, pop over to Psalm 36. And read verses 7 through 10. And by the way, if any of you would like the notes to this teaching, just email me and I'll be glad to send them to you. Psalm 36, 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. Now look over at Psalm 46. Psalm 46, verses 6 and 7. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. <clears throat> now, pop back to 1 Timothy 1.17. The great summation of all of these things. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now, to the king eternal immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Everybody? Amen. Amen. This is pure praise, guys. What does it do for you to know that this is the one you pray to? How does this affect your attitude before you start asking of him? It wouldn't be a bad thing to memorize a few of these doxologies and passages and use them as you begin to pray, as you begin to seek God. So we are to enter into his courts, enter his gates with praise, or thanksgiving, and enter his courts with praise. And finally, verse 4, it says we are to give thanks and bless his name, bless his name, we thank God for what he has done, praise him for who he is. Our future depends upon his character, and his character is unfailing and unflinching. His attributes are sure as depicted in his name, which is why we bless his name. What are some of the names of God that you know? Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That's who Leandra was talking about, even though she didn't know his name in that way, right? How many of you have ever been in a bad situation, but you say you had the peace of God overcome you? Right? The peace of God. Jehovah Shalom. Right? Um, then there's El Shaddai. God Almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful. This is the God who told Sarah at 90 years old that you're going to have a baby. and She said, say, what? She so <clears throat> you're going to have a baby. And he says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? It's rhetorical. No, there's nothing too hard for El Shaddai, God Almighty, Omnipotent, All Powerful. According to ChristianAnswers.net, there are 955 names of God, and in each one you can find something He is to you or for you, and that's why we call Him the Becoming One, Yahweh, becoming that which you need. So it behooves you. You like that word? Behooves sounds like a putting shoes on horses, it behooves you to get into that book and find out what his names are and in what context you can pray and claim that name. That's why in verse 4, the psalmist tells us to thank him, to praise him, and to bless his name. That word bless is from Barak, which means to kneel, to praise, to salute. The idea is to show honor and homage to God by recognizing his name as higher than any other name. In the East, a person blessing a superior did so while bowing or kneeling. Okay? He or she then expressed a desire for the honoree to have power, prosperity, longevity, success, etc., etc. Now, we know the Lord already possesses all power, prosperity, longevity, and success. And he will certainly succeed in whatever he chooses to do. But, By blessing his name, we affirm his power and his goodness, and we commit ourselves to joining his cause. Do you get it? It's not that God needs any of this. He doesn't need to be thanked to feel better about himself. He doesn't need to be praised to feel better about himself. He does not suffer from low self-esteem. It does nothing except put you in the right frame of mind to tap into the resources you have as a Christian. You get that? You can tap into the Almighty God, to Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. The two acts, giving thanks and blessing in name, have a very special significance that's rooted in ancient Eastern custom. (coughs) Listen to this. To receive the hospitality of a nobleman and to pronounce a blessing in return, Effectively established an alliance to receive God's hospitality to pronounce blessings upon his name establishes alliance between you and God a lifelong indebtedness that linked two people in a bond of friendship like Abraham Abraham was what? a friend of God Jesus said you are no longer servants, I'll call you Praise his name. A good way to begin our prayer time is to give thanks in everything, to give thanks for everything, to praise him for who he is, and to recognize the power in his name. Now, why do we go through all this? Because it puts us in the right frame of mind as we go forward in prayer. This is going to affect everything, from asking forgiveness of sins, from giving Understanding that we can even forgive ourselves for our our mess ups and and for leaving ourselves or laying ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice as we get into the word and and every other part of the tabernacle, it all starts with praise. Francis Frangipane, the thankful heart sees the best part of every situation. It sees problems and weaknesses as opportunities. Struggles as refining tools, and sinners as saints in progress. Henry Henry Ironside. we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. My good buddy John Corson, Thanksgiving and praise lubricate the wheels of prayer. something to think about when you go home today. You think? All right. It's always my prayer that you leave a service with your faith stronger than what it was when you came in. And I pray that you understand the value, or at least go test it, the value of praise and thanksgiving and blessing his name in your prayer life this week. And what I'd like to do now is to... uh, Sing a couple of songs together. Worship just a little bit more before we leave today. That third day song, Your Love, O Lord, reaches to the heaven. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. And as we sing these things, please, don't just sing the words. Listen. Listen carefully. Listen to what you're saying. Don't worry about Peter Piper pizza. It'll be there when you get out. And whatever playoff game is going on and you're missing right now, Don't worry about it. It'll end the way it ends. But right now, just take a moment to come into the throne room of God and to praise, bless, and give thanks.
1: Okay? Larry? Heather?